Welcome to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show. Here you will find a variety of podcasts from authors, bloggers, and speakers ready to encourage you on your daily journey. I can't wait to get started. And now let's listen to today's show. This podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join me, Katie Glennon, on the Literary Cafe podcast, where I share helpful tips and ideas to teach language arts, literature, and writing. My hope is for you to be able to walk away excited to try some new ideas in your own homeschool. Please visit me on my website, literarycafepodcast.com, for these ideas and resources to help you enjoy your homeschool journey. Hi, and welcome back to the Literary Cafe Podcast. I'm Katie Glennon, your host, and I am excited to share with you fun, effective, and practical ideas in developing language skills in your young learners. So make sure you check out the show notes on the webpage for this podcast at Ultimate Radio Show Literary Cafe Podcast, where you'll find book lists, activities and resources, and this recording to download and subscribe to get you started right away. You'll want to share this with your friends to help them out too. So let's get started. I wanted to talk about this during March because it's National Reading Month, and it happens to be the month that we celebrate Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss has some wonderful books that help young children develop language skills, and we will be discussing those in a bit. We're going to chat about how you can develop language skills in children under two, and then what you can do as they get older. I'll be mentioning what kind of books to read and suggest titles and how to use these books when reading with your children. I'll also be discussing activities to do with your children when reading and starting to write. And all of this will be in the show notes on the webpage for this podcast. So by now, you might have noticed with your children that they can be completely different kinds of learners and they learn at different paces and sequences. My oldest resisted even learning letters of the alphabet. He could memorize and retell the entire story of the little train that could, but he refused to even identify a letter. And then suddenly, at the age of seven, yes, I said it, seven, (laughs) a light switch went on, and he went from like near zero in reading words and sentences to surpassing his grade level by at least three grades. So if you're beginning to worry about your children and you really don't notice or know of any, any uh, language areas that he's, uh, got some, he or she has some challenges in, don't give up hope. My other guy, he was a different story. He required speech therapy and he showed signs of dyslexia. We worked with speech therapists and brain integration therapy, and he made slow and steady progress until he was at grade level, and this was second grade, and then he eventually became an excellent reader and speaker. He's a great writer too. So just a note to keep in mind, studies have shown that skipping that crawling stage can lead to language developed challenges. Some people debate this theory while others swear by it. 
It is now becoming more widely known, but at the time that my child was at the crawling stage, this wasn't really known. So he went from sitting up and maybe starting to get up on his hands and knees um, or scooting around and doing a soldier crawl or a sitting on his bottom type of, you know, scooting across the room to walking. So he skipped the crawling stage. He was also left eye dominant with no hand dominancy. My husband is a lefty and I'm a righty. And when you add all this together with signs of struggling with balance, tying his shoes, recognizing left and right, writing his full name completely backwards in cursive, as well as number and other letter transversals, and a 98% profound speech impairment, we had our work cut out for us. But like I said, by the time he was in second grade, we had finally uh, reached grade level and he even surpassed it. Now, if you suspect language or processing challenges, I highly suggest materials by Diane Craft at dianecraft.org. I have used her materials and I highly recommend them. She also has valuable information on her website. And you'll want to take a look at all that she has to say about different types of learning and processing challenges. You'll find a link for her page in the show notes as well. So all children are different in how they learn to read and the sequence and the time timeline that they follow. The practices that I'm going to share with you now are how to set a groundwork to get them started before they reach the age for formal reading. Now these techniques do assist in vocabulary development, comprehension, and interest in books and reading. Maybe not reading totally on their own right away, but at least getting started. And the main thing is to actually just get them comfortable with books and enjoying the whole reading process, whether you're doing the reading for them or they're doing it on their own. The thing to remember when first picking out books to read to your child before two or three years old is you want to look for the three R's. That would be rhyme, rhythm, and repetition. That's why nursery rhymes are so easy to remember and recite and, some are, and are some of the first things that we share with our little ones. Adding the fine, um, the fingers and the arm movements are a great thing to do when sing, singing or reciting them with your little ones, such as like Itsy Bitsy Spider, um, with the little finger motions and arm motions. When you recite these songs or rhymes, like Humpty Dumpty, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and Little Miss Muffet, these rhyming words and sounds are one of the first steps toward recognizing word families with the same sounds. You can also get these rhymes as separate little picture books that you can read together. Some other examples of picture books to start with, and these are in the list on our show page, for children up to three, two or three years old, would be books by Eric Carle, like Brown Bear, Brown Bear, and Polar Bear, Polar Bear, or the famous Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, which reviews the letters of the alphabet. Also, you might have seen in the library books like Sheep in a Jeep or Sheep Go to Sleep, they all have the rhythm, the rhyme, and the repetition, and the emphasis on word families, where that word family is repeated throughout the book and the children become uh, familiar with it. You also want to include some of the more simple Dr. Seuss books, like One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. And with these Dr. Seuss books, you can also plan a celebration day for him 
and his books as well. And there's a lot on the internet that you can find about uh, doing different types of Dr. Seuss activities, uh, maybe even, you know, reading green eggs and ham and making green eggs and ham. <laughs> so now to use these books while reading them with your child, you want to point to each word as you say them. This way, your child makes a connection between the sounds and the words you say with that squiggly writing that you're pointing to on the page. Also, pause once in a while before turning the page and talk to your child about what you see in the picture because then they'll relate the idea that the words and squiggly lines on the page talk about what's going on in the picture up above and they begin to make that connection. When you repeat this, and reading the books on a regular basis for at least 15 minutes per day. And (coughs) that's based on research and scientific studies with how reading 15 minutes per day has an influence on your child as a reader. That's where they get the 15 minutes per day. Your children will begin to enjoy this quiet time together and look forward to it. And they associate this warm feeling of reading a book with you to the whole process of reading, and they'll enjoy the idea of reading. This will become a favorite routine with your children, and they'll soon develop an interest in books that are their favorites. Now, we used to have a 30-minute story time right before bed every night, in addition to a little bit of a reading time uh, during the day right before before, uh, nap time, and then as well as, you know, reading throughout our homeschool day. But we did have a structure where we made sure to have at least 15 to 20 minutes after lunch before nap time and 30 minutes right before bed. Even our cat would join us and sit on the couch. She would know that that was part of our bedtime routine and she would, wherever she was, she would come over and sit on the top of the couch right over us, looking over our shoulders as we read our books. Each one of my guys were allowed to choose a couple of books and I would select one or two new ones that I wanted to introduce into our reading. And it was also fresh material that I hadn't read like 57 times already. So it was kind of a break for me too, kind of something that um, added a little bit of freshness. As the book becomes familiar to your child, and again, don't be afraid of rereading the same book and over, over and over again that they ask you to. That's a good thing. They will naturally start pointing at the pictures and repeat what you've already mentioned about the book. And they may be, may be even able to start saying the story along with you. And this would be a good time to start asking some questions that um, are maybe different from the story now that they have an idea of what the story is about. You can start adding questions and pointing to things in the picture like what color is that? How many are there? Have you ever seen a bear? Have you ever seen this? Um, or whatever it is that's in the picture. Get a conversation going. Now that they're starting to become familiar with the story, start looking um, and asking other questions from the pictures that may not necessarily pertain to what the story is about. Also, if it's a repetitive rhyming book, your two or three-year-old might even be able to finish the sentence with the rhyming word for you. For example, if you're reading Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See?, and you start by saying, brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? I see a, and then you stop and pause, and then say, looking at, and then you stop and pause again, your child 
will be familiar with the book so that he or she can fill in each blank for you as you read as you read so if you say i see a uh, and then they go ahead and fill in the word and then you say looking at and then they fill in the next word those are the two rhyming words in the sentence this is great practice for their awareness of rhyming words and word families so make sure to try to include moments like that in your reading experience you can also start holding your child's finger while you read and then point to the words as you say them. Soon, if your child is closer to three, they may decide that they want to point to each word so that you can say them as they point, or they may take your finger and point to the word for you as you say each word. They'll also begin to want to change the pages as they begin to memorize the story and when it's time to turn each page. They may not always get it right, but they've made the connection that these marks on the page are connected to the words that you're saying. As your child moves from three to four to five, you can start reading more complex books that still have some rhyme, rhythm, and repetition. Like more complex Dr. Seuss books, like There's a Wocket in My Pocket, or Five Little Monkeys, or Sandra Boynton books, or the If You Give a Mouse a Cookie type books by Laura Numeroff, and The Little Train That Could. That book has great repetition in it and some great vocabulary building. Now these books may have more repetition than rhyming, but that's okay. It's the repetition at this point as they get older that helps them uh, begin to recognize certain types of sight words as they get older and very commonly used words and they get used to uh, that as well. And also they get used to fluency and periods and pausing um, and the different kinds of sentence structure. And that's all good for language development. As you read these books repeatedly, your child may be ready to read the book to you. Now, of course, they may not be really reading all the words to you, but only have certain sections memorized and that's okay too, because that is all part of the reading process. You can also ask more complex questions about the story or pictures as they get older. Do you like that? What happens next, do you think? Would you do that? Why or why not? These are now higher order thinking skill type questions, and they involve predicting, inferencing, details, comprehension, relating to personal experiences. And if you're interested in knowing more about developing thinking skills, you'll want to make sure to visit the show notes and listen to the podcast for February about using higher order thinking skills in your reading. There's lots of information there and tips, tricks, resources um, to develop those types of skills in your children uh, for the early learners all the way up through high school. Eventually, as your child moves from here and does start to read, taking turns reading a favorite simple book and reading every other sentence or every other page is a great way to have your child practice what they may be learning without the pressure of reading the whole thing. And I have also some great tips, tricks, ideas, activities to help uh, engage your reluctant reader, um, such as this taking turns, if you're interested in looking at that podcast as well. So you would want to look for my reluctant reader podcast in helping your uh, reluctant reader to read uh, with some more ideas along these lines. 
Now, we continued to have a reading aloud time even through high school as my guys got older. So some people wonder if that's really a great idea. How we did it was it that reading time was actually structured into our school time, and we called it literature. And it was a read aloud time, but I would be reading classics that I wanted to introduce to them, and we would discuss the vocabulary, which made it easier for them to understand that what was going on in the classic. They became used to hearing and understanding the vocabulary that might be more complex than they might read in um, a book just for fun. Uh, we also discussed the background of the novel, the author, the time period, and then, of course, the contents of the novel together. And if there were different types of uh, writing techniques or literary devices or story elements and things in the book, we would discuss those as well. But we did have a built-in reading time, and we called it literature. And it was books that my guys would not otherwise pick up on their own just for fun. And that way they gained a lot of great exposure to books they wouldn't otherwise choose to read on their own. We didn't have a bedtime story, and we didn't have a story time after lunch, but we did have our reading time for literature. And they really enjoyed it, and they look back on those now that they're in college and one's in grad school now, and they remember that time we spent together reading those books. And even though it was in high school, they still greatly enjoyed it. So I encourage you to keep up the reading routine. Now, they would continue to bring books to bed with them each evening, though, of their own choosing for reading on their own in the evening just to relax and unwind before they went to sleep. Now, when they were younger, through the early elementary school years, as I said before, we would have nap or a quiet time each day right after lunch. And after lunch, I would read a quick story or two before this quiet time, and then they would bring books with them to their beds. And we had a mandatory rule that we did not leave be the bed until it was uh, the quiet time was over. And uh, they would either read the books on their own or listen to stories on, and this tells you uh, how long ago this was, on tape, <laughs> tape cassettes um, or CDs, just listening to the tape or CD or following along with a book if a book came with the tape or CD. And a lot of times these would be stories that they might find available to check out from the library or um, from like Chick-fil-A meals. They had uh, CDs and, and tapes in their Chick-fil-A meals at one time. So reading became a natural part of the day throughout our day and also a routine that we would follow. Other things that you can do in your home um, as far as getting your child ready to read uh, getting used to um, a literate atmosphere would be to put magnet letters on the refrigerator uh, for play opportunities that they can just, you know, if they're bored, they come in and uh, work, you know, if they're a toddler, uh, they can play with that one. Maybe you're making dinner in the evening or something like that. They like moving the magnets around. Have a letter of the day or the week and let your child tell you whenever they see that letter during the day. And then depending upon what kind of learner you have, you could try different kinds of activities to learn the alphabet. So you might want to do songs, chants, and um, read books aloud like audiobooks for your auditory learners. Uh, you could use pictures of the alphabet that have animals or pictures within the letters 
so that the learner can make connections or stories with those letters to help them remember the letters. That would work well with your visual learners and also your right brain learners. And then for your more tactile or kinesthetic learners, you can cut letters out of sandpaper and trace the letters with their fingers, trace letters of the alphabet. And again, you might be emphasizing just one letter at a time before you move on to the next one. Trace letters of the alphabet in sand, shaving cream, finger paint. Trace letters in the air using whole arm movements. Um, paint letters on the driveway with water and a paintbrush. Form letters with your whole body or out of Play-Doh or pipe cleaners. And I did all of this, <laughs> especially with my older learner who showed a lot of reluctance to even acknowledging that there were letters of the alphabet. So you can do all of these if um, you want to try them with all of your learners. And then also I encourage you to bring simple poems into your reading. Um, for the use with simple poems, you can copy down the poem and leave a space at the end of the line for the rhyming word and then let your child fill in the blank, especially for like a first grader who is starting to write. You can copy sight words down on index cards to make flashcards. And if your child, and I did this with one of, with mine, um, if your child has a difficult time reading a part of the sight word, and it seems to be the consistent portion of the sight word, like a certain combination of letters that they're having a hard time reading, you can write that part of the word in a different color on the flashcard. And you can go to www.sightwords.com for lists of words and activity suggestions for these um, sight word type activities and also lists of sight words themselves. You can copy the word family word, the, the uh, word family words down on index cards to make flashcards and write the word family sound in a different color. So if you have a word family of, um, you know, E-A-T for meat and beat, um, you would put the E-A-T part in a different color than let's say the beginning of each word. And that will um, make the word family jump out at them more than if you were to write it all in one color. Now make duplicate copies of these flashcards and uh, of each word. So you've got two copies of each word and you can play games to help your child read these flash word, these flat, these sight words on these flashcards, such as go fish or old maid or a memory or a concentrate concentration matching game. And I can tell you with my reader that was struggling and even my reluctant reader, uh, we did all of this and they really did get into the games. And I recently read um, a statistic that said, if you're going to just try to learn something over and over and over again, it could take up to 100 times to actually just learn it by sitting there and memorizing it. However, it cuts it down to a very small percentage of time and number of times that you have to uh, learn something if you learn it by playing a game. And I try to incorporate little games um, anytime I can to reinforce um, learning or even to introduce ideas. So I encourage you to try the flashcard type games. Now for writing activity suggestions, 
when your child is ready to start writing letters, words, and then putting them together in sentences, um, I would suggest that you start with having your child paint or draw a picture on the top half of a page of paper because you can purchase paper that has a blank space on the top half with lines on the bottom. And then you can have your child tell you in a sentence what that picture is about that they've just completed. And then as they tell you about it, write down exactly what your child says underneath the picture as he says it so that they can connect what they're saying to what you're writing down. And then you can read it back to them, pointing to each word as you say each word. Because then they relate the idea of, oh, I painted this picture, I drew this picture, I told my mom what the picture was about, and she wrote down the same words that I'm speaking down on the paper. And then she was pointing it at me and saying those same words. So that's how they build connections. Now, as your child gets older, begin the practice of having them retell parts of stories back to you or short stories back to you. Then have them practice writing down one sentence at a time that they say when they're retelling something to you, even if they're using inventive or creative spelling until they can write down more than one sentence and then they've been, they build up to multiple sentences. And then as they get older, you have them do this before they draw the picture and then they can draw the picture after they um, have written about something. Um, you can also have them start out by drawing a picture and then having them write a sentence or a word, then a sentence, then a few sentences about what they'd finished drawing. And I um, have gone into great detail about this type of activity in the podcast about helping your struggling writer. So check out the, the show notes on that page about helping your struggling writer for practical tips for the types of skills and activities you can use to help promote um, writing skills with your child. Now, I hope that you found this, that uh, found a lot of helpful tips and activities that you can use in developing language skills in your learner. Remember to take a look at our other podcasts with more helpful tips, ideas, and resources to help you homeschool your child in language arts by visiting our Literary Cafe podcast homepage and share it with your friends. They'll thank you for it. Until next time, enjoy your time together and your homeschool journey. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit me at LiteraryCafePodcast.com for this podcast and others, and at Katie'sHomeschoolCottage.com for even more ideas and resources for you to use in your homeschool journey. podcast is a production of the ultimate homeschool radio network subscribe to this podcast on itunes google play or any of your favorite podcast apps look for the ultimate homeschool radio show to keep up to date with all our wonderful podcasts for a special subscriber printable pack as well as all our timely freebies join our email list on the ultimate homeschool radio network.com